Thanks for joining us for another great message from Futures Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to futures.church. And now for our message. Good morning. Great to see you today. And uh, what a great day, Pentecost Sunday today. And we're excited about uh, sharing today. I really felt, if you are here last week, we had the first part of this series, Living Large. And then this week, you know, my dad uh, passed into heaven, you know, today. Uh, he's having coffee with my mum, probably Farmers Union iced coffee. No calories in heaven. <clears throat> I'm thinking of people who are part of our church. You think about um, the impact, I think, of, you know, uh, Don and Doss Doughton, who are part of the board, I think of uh, so many. I wrote them down, actually. Malcolm Boschel as a part of our team, Colin Pittman, um, Fred and Eva Evans, Ilsa and Fred Lovett, Steve Hall, many others. And all today, they're having a small group of some kind, I'm sure, watching us saying, come on, everybody, let's go for it. And I, I you know, my dad... Uh, was you know I think one month shy of his 88th birthday, so it wasn't tragic, it wasn't um, untimely. It was a life well lived, and this series is called Living Large. And if I think of somebody that exemplifies that, that was my dad. And uh, you know, I, I said to people who are getting many texts from all over the place, and I just said, you know, obviously God still answers my dad's prayers because. He'd been praying for a few months that he would go to heaven soon. And uh, he kind of felt that, you know, he was supposed to die and go to heaven, but he didn't die. He just ended up in a nursing home. And that felt more like hell to him. And so uh, he knew I was here. I'd called him a few days ago. He wasn't really that sick. And then just within two days, you know, God had answered his prayer. And so uh, minimal suffering and a great life. So pray for Dell. His current wife, been spending time with her and talking to her. The amazing part was my brother and I were able to get uh, to his bedside and, and uh, literally got the scramble phone call at 7 a.m. on Friday morning, flew up there and, and able to be there. And so God's been good and he's lived a great life, had a great impact, changed many people's lives and lives out. He's the exemplification of this message, which is the part two of last week which is about living large. We only have one life, you might as well make it a good one. And if you can't make it a good one because there are challenges in life, make it an effective one. Make it one that lasts forever. This is the thing that I think about. You know, we have one life, we'll soon be gone, a vapour. Our life is, the Bible declares it like that and we'll be gone. But what we do for God, what we do for Jesus, lasts forever. It never, ever wears out. It never, ever is forgotten. It's always heralded for all of eternity. And that's why it's worth pushing through. And I'm gonna share with you today uh, the theology that we need to grasp in our heart. You know, we understand the doctrine of salvation, soteriology, we understand how important that is. But this theology, this understanding how God wired His theology into our biology, that we are a product of, of God's multiplication mindset. That God set up the earth, that everything would have a seed in it so it would multiply, not just replace itself, 
but would multiply. It wouldn't just have one X, it'd be 30X, 60X or 100X. Jesus said it this way. Think about the two uh, probably uh, most referred to passages of Scripture or stories and parables. One is the feeding of the 5,000. Here we have the story in every gospel of a little boy with five loaves and two fish. Nothing, it seems, when you look at the crowd and you look at the need, but he presents it anyway. And what does Jesus do? In Jesus' hands and the disciples' hands, it multiplies. It feeds 20,000 people. Then the most talked about parable is probably the parable of the sower and how if you sow the seed, the seed is God's Word. If it falls on the right soil, it will produce 30x, 60x or 100x. You may not be the 100x, but you can be guaranteed that you're going to get 30x what was sown. If your heart receives this Word and the Word of God by revelation, Right? and understands the mystery of God that God reveals by His Holy Spirit. Like Peter was able to say, you're the Messiah, <coughs> the Son of the living God. God wants to reveal to us and understand so that our lives live with this forward momentum, whether you're 80 or 70 or 30 or 20. God wants you to live with this multiplication mindset. God could have brought us to this earth by a stalk or by Amazon or by any other means, but He chose to make our life dependent on the theology of multiplication, that our body multiplies hundreds of millions of cells every second and over minutes, billions of cells and trillions of cells so that if we were to stop multiplying, we would cease living in a moment. So take that idea in our physical now, take that to our emotional, our mental and our spiritual. The moment we stop multiplying, we die. Our thoughts stop multiplying, we we hit a limit, we die. Our emotions hit a traumatic moment and don't recover and we don't multiply and keep pushing in. We stay where we are, we stay dormant. It all begins to disintegrate in front of us because God has wired us as a product of His theology to represent who He is, to give us an idea that God doesn't help us catch up in ones and twos, but God uses 30X, 60X and 100X to take us from where we are and begin to push us forward to where we're meant to be. If we'd only dissect it, understand it, disseminate it, kind of inculcate it into our very beings. And then when we do, suddenly our lives start moving forward. It's what causes you to push on when you've been pushed back. It's what causes you to get up when you've been knocked down. It's the thing that mobilises me every day of my life. I've had great examples in my life. I've had my grandfather still planting churches at 90 years of age. I've had my dad retiring and then I get him elected as a senator in South Australia and serves after he's retired. Why? Because we don't want to get to that point where we are just, oh, okay, we're going to settle down. We're going to talk about that today a little bit. God's plan is for you to understand and through God's Word, we kind of dissect this. That's why the universe is expanding It's why on Pentecost Sunday, we read about in Acts chapter two that they were in one place in one accord when suddenly there was a sound of a mighty rushing wind. God created the wind of the earth to blow so that every time it blew, 
Guess what would happen? Multiplication, seeds and spores go all over the world and plant and replant and suddenly one seed becomes a thousand, becomes a million, becomes a billion cells. Why? Because God has wired the world to work that way. And if you can inject yourself into the slipstream of that idea and understand it's not just a motivational message, but this is theology. It's as potent as you giving your life to Christ. It's as potent as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It is the way God God's wired you so that you could live that way and to be prosperous and to flourish. And when I say prosper, I mean have a good journey. It means to see your family. It means to see your, your life, your impact, impact thousands. As I've got all these inundated with text messages of lives that have been changed because of my dad's life. He doesn't know them. He doesn't remember them. He remembers some of them. He remembers the Tony Rainers. He remembers the different people. But guess what? He's going to meet them all in heaven. And people, I can imagine my dad's actually at the door shaking hands today, like he always did, right? And so I can imagine there's people coming up to him saying, hey, I remember 1989, you did this. I remember in 1963, you did that. I remember in 1977, this happened to me. And think about the multiplication of one life. One life. Millions. One life. Think about your life. You may feel like your life isn't that impactful. Let me tell you, you won't know how impactful your life is until eternity. But guess what? If you'll start pushing in to this concept, and next week we're going to teach you how, how to get this message into your system, into your soul, into your psyche, into the way you live, the way you think, the way you, you plan the future. Multiplication, it's multiply or die. Live large, don't live small. If you're gonna be a Christian, be a good one. <clears throat> and leave behind a legacy. You know, I think about myself, I think about my brother, I think about my children, I think about his children, I think about my grandchildren, I think about one life, my mother's as well, my father's as well, one life, one couple, become one, boom. Look at the multiplication down the generations and it's gonna keep on going and going and going and get wider and wider and wider. And that's the power of your one life. That one life lived will cause such a vastness of impact if you live it right, if you understand how multiplication works. The first three commands God gives everybody on the planet, Adam and Eve in their ignorance, He says, be fruitful and multiply, Genesis 1.28. Then in Genesis 9, when the world's been destroyed, he says to Noah, be fruitful and multiply. Verse seven, he repeats the command again, be fruitful and multiply. He says it to Abraham, I want to make you the father of nations. Look at the stars, look at the sand. That's how I want you to be. He says it to Isaac, he says it to Jacob. He says it right through the Bible. He says it to them, even under oppression, you can multiply. And I wanna read to you a scripture that's so powerful. It's in, found in Exodus chapter one. It says, but the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. They multiplied greatly and increased in numbers and became so numerous that the land was filled. And this is in Egypt. Remember, they've come down to Egypt because of a famine. And Joseph has sent ahead. He rescues them. They settle in Goshen and suddenly they begin to multiply. And Pharaoh and Egypt begin to be intimidated. And so a new Pharaoh rises that doesn't remember Joseph and they put them under oppression. But I want you to read what happens if you are a multiplier and if you understand God's desire for you and design for you and tap into the stream of that consciousness and that faith and understand it, it says this, but the more 
they were oppressed, the more they multiplied. The more they were oppressed, distressed, coming under pressure, the more they flourished. So the Egyptians came to dread them. See, it doesn't matter if your boss is oppressing you, you can flourish and multiply. It doesn't matter if there's oppression in your home, don't run, multiply. Don't escape, flourish. In your family, things have happened. Don't run away, face it. Cause things to happen. Be that person that allows God to flourish and multiply you. Doesn't matter what's going on in your life, you can flourish. You and I are like you know, one of those plastic balls. You can sink it under the swimming pool, but as soon as you take your hands off, it just bounces to the surface. Why? Because God's put an irrepressible spirit inside of you. He's given you the Holy Spirit on this day of Pentecost. He wants you to understand that greater that is He that's in you than He that's around you in the world, in your job, at your home, in your neighborhood. It doesn't matter what the government are trying to do. Guess what? We can flourish and multiply if we understand how God made us to live. If you think that you're meant to live in scarcity, and if you think you're meant to live dispossessed and, 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 and oppressed, then you'll never ever rise to the great heights God had for you. But if you'll understand, it doesn't matter if I'm oppressed, it doesn't matter if I'm beaten, it doesn't matter if I'm pushed aside, it doesn't matter if I'm rejected. God's filled me with so much power through the Holy Spirit that I can multiply even under pressure because God was with Joseph no matter where he was, he prospered. And I wanna tell you today, I wanna fill you with, with a sense of not just hopefulness, not just motivation, but biblical truth so that you can build your life on the rock. Jesus said, he who hears my words and builds his life on them is like the man who builds his life on the rock. So when the winds and the, and, and the storm comes, it doesn't fall. And so that's why we wanna build our heart on the Word of God and understand how it works. We must get a theology of multiplication. Remember John 15. Jesus says this, and let's read it. It says this, I am the vine and you are the branches, the one who remains in me. So remain in him. If you're watching online today, remain in him. If you're here in the room, remain in him. And I in him will bear what? Much fruit. Goes back to that first command. Be fruitful. Then he goes on and says, for apart from me, you can do nothing. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. Who would like to be the kind of person that can ask God for whatever is your heart's desire and it happens. My dad wanted to go to heaven and he wanted to go to heaven this week. He said, you've remained in me. My words have remained in you. You've asked for it, so it shall be done. I wanna do it when my son's here from America. I wanna do it when my sons can be there. I wanna get out of this this place that I don't consider. So I live for the kingdom of God and this is not the kingdom of God anymore. So what's the point of being here? I finished my assignment, I wanna go home. And God answered his prayers. It says this, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, proving yourself to be my disciples. Guess what? When we're fruitful, when we multiply, we give glory to God and we show the world that we're actually following something that's real. We're the billboard for God. God wants us to see us flourishing and multiplying even under pressure. Good times, bad times, we're flourishing. Why? Because He put the seed of the Holy Spirit inside of us that multiplies. He put our, His theology into our biology so we would multiply. We are a multiplying machine. 
Why do you think I know that we're going to plant 200 campuses? It's not a fantasy. It's not an idea. It's not out there. It's going to happen because God's a God of multiplication. Jesus said, go into all the earth and make disciples of all nations. So when you obey God's command, you start to flourish. You start to multiply. It just can't help. God, it just can't help but happen because God's wider that way. I know we're going to leave behind hundreds of millions of dollars for assets for the next generation. Why? Because God's a God of multiplication. If we have wisdom, if we have intelligence, if we have God's Spirit, we can do all the things that God's called us to do. I said it in the first service. It's a sacrifice for me not to stand on this platform every Sunday and preach. I had to give up my, my, what was good for me to go after what was good for me and good for God and good for God's kingdom. I'm not in America living in Disney World. I'm living in the most polarised country in the world. Ridiculous polarisation going on. And God sent a peacemaker to try to bring peace to people, to see that as a launching pad into South America, into Europe, into Africa, and from here into Asia and all over the world. We're called to multiply. That's why we know God blesses this vision. We're not settling down. We're not sitting together. We're not just trying to, oh, you know, let's sing Kumbaya and get around the campfire. We're trying to multiply because there's a world that depends upon that spirit and God made it that way so that if we would understand how He works, we could tap in by faith to what He has for us. And God's so committed to your fruitfulness that it says in John 15 that He even cut off things that aren't fruitful. So sometimes we lose things and sometimes the reason we lose them is because they're not fruitful. Sometimes it's just life, but sometimes God's preparing me for a better season. God doesn't do things to hurt us, but to promote us. The devil comes to steal, kill and destroy, but I've come to give you life, says Jesus. When I plug into Him, life and flourishing happens no matter the circumstances happening around about me. So these are the, this is Genesis 1 to 9. Then we go to Genesis 11. Genesis 11 is a famous story. You know, well, some call it the Tower of Babel. Some call it the Tower of Babel. I grew up knowing it as the Tower of Babel. But Babel sounds more like it really was. And it's interesting because this is the first time that mankind, this is the first instance we read in the Bible, uh, that mankind really decides to resist God's multiplication mandate and strategy. He says, be fruitful and multiply. And this group of 500 families decide, well, we're not gonna multiply. And begins the lifelong struggle, chapter 11, where God comes down and God's so committed to multiplication that what does God do? God comes down and confuses their languages so they have to multiply. Let's read it. In Genesis 11, now when I was growing up, I was told the reason they built this big tower of the sky was pride. Well, it was partly pride, but most of it was fear. Let's read these verses. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. And as men moved eastward, they found a place in Shinar and settled there. Everybody say settled there. Always gives the pastor a chance to have a drink. Here we go. Come. Let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous. That's the pride part, but then here's the fear part. And it'll keep us from being scattered or multiplying all over the world. 
Think about it. God said, be fruitful and multiply. No, we're not. We're going to settle. I want you to finish this sentence for me. I can't wait to get married and settle down. I can't wait to retire and settle down. Pastor Greg, there's a word. For someone else. You share it with them. Here's the point, right? (laughs) Mankind's whole wiring when they're living in fear is to settle. When you're living in fear, it's to withdraw, it's to retract, it's to build the castle, it's to be safe, it's to be secure. But when you're living in faith, you can't help but expand, move forward, take risks, go for it. Even if you're 70, even if you're 80, even if you're 50, even if you're 20, it's in us. Now, when you're a young person, you go after it until you find somebody and then you start, the settling disease gets on you. It's amazing how all these young people are so bright, wanting to go out, party all night, stay out at youth and suddenly get married and suddenly it's tending the roses is more important. Have you noticed that? Oh, I can't come out today, I've got to mow the lawn. It's called settling. And so mankind's desire is safety, security. I got what I want. Oh, I've got lots of things going through my head. I won't say those things. <laughs> and they settle. And God says, well, I'm, 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 look, I'm, I'm gonna come down and confuse your languages. And, I, and this came to me in the first service, just hot off the press. If there's confusion in your life, it may just be because you've settled. I found when I'm confused, it's because I've settled. I don't know what to do, so I've settled. And so sometimes God brings confusion so we have to find ourselves so that we can multiply again. He wants to push us out. So here's my question. Have you settled down? Are you happy with just a few kids and a car and a house and your job and the government paying for your medical bills, most of them anyway, paying for daycare? And have you settled getting an iced coffee and a donut every morning? I mean, it's a great life, I gotta gotta admit. But you know, there are studies out there that people that retire and stop working die quicker than those that don't. Why is that? I'll tell you why, because settling down causes you to die. It's settling down in your mind causes you to die. Like I've set goals for myself every year and this year in particular, I've set myself to do a intellectual pursuit to learn a skill and learn something that I've never learned in my entire life and to retool my mind for certain things. This is while I'm doing a hundred other things with more pressure and more responsibility than ever before and I'm learning all these new things. Why? Because I will not settle down. I'm not gonna allow my mind to become atrophied with settling. I'm not gonna allow my emotions to become so rigid. I can't share my feelings. I can't tell my children I love them. I can't explain to my wife how beautiful and wonderful she is. That I can't tell people what's in my real heart because somehow through the pain of life, I've become rigid. I've stopped multiplying my love. I'm not gonna get so hurt that my peace stops multiplying. I've gotta keep on multiplying. God's made me a multiplying machine. If I don't multiply, I die. I die emotionally, I die spiritually. If you don't share Jesus with people, you will die on the cutting edge of your spirituality because there's something within us that has to tell other people. And when you do it, something changes. I was in a taxi the other day with a Korean lady and I started talking to her and she said to me this, she said, we were talking about different things. And then I told her I was a pastor. And she said to me, so I've read this thing that 60% of pastors have doubts. 
said, well, lady, I'm in the other 40%. Just want you to know. I'll tell you why. I said, listen, if it's not real, let's pack up and go to the movies, everybody. This is not real. Let's just tick off. What's the point? This is a fairy tale. If this is just partly God's Word, not all of God's Word, if this is just, well, I can pick this part and that part, that's the demise, that's the end. It's the beginning of the end. And I'm gonna tell her my story, how Jesus revealed Himself to me as a 17-year-old and revealed Himself to me again and again. And she started getting bigger and bigger eyes. I started becoming more emotional as the Holy Spirit filled this, this Uber. I tell you what, I think she got saved. So I gave her a big tip at the end just to give her a push. <laughs> Jesus loves you. Here's the tip. So here's my question. Have you settled down? Have you got, have you got, have you got happy with just having enough? Well, I'm good. I'm content. I don't need anything. Be careful when you say you don't need anything. So that's the night you die. Remember that man in the Bible? I have need of nothing. Tonight your soul is required of you. So I always need Jesus and I always need more. So I'm planning to stay alive for a long time. And I believe multipliers stay alive for longer than average. So I've watched people just stop. I've just watched them cease. And it becomes the lifelong struggle for every human being because multiplication requires faith. It requires you to stay fresh, right? No one's shopping at Woolies if the fruit is not fresh. No one's shopping at your store unless you're fresh. It requires you to trust. It requires you to be on the edge. That's why I love taking risks and getting onto the edge, right? Why? Because naturally as you get older, you get safer. As you get older, you become more to lose. So guess what? The antidote to that is to take now you've got wisdom, take wisdom risks. Keep increasing, keep reaching out, keep asking God for more. I haven't finished yet. I said, God, I want, I said to my kids the other day, I said, between the day grandpa died and next Friday when we celebrate his life, I reckon there's a spiritual garage sale going on. And all of my dad's uh, amazing qualities and, and, and things that he's collected over his years spiritually, the gifts and the abilities. It's like a garage sale between last Friday and next Friday. I don't know how theologically I can back that up. I kind of can, but here's what I think. You know, Elijah and Elisha, if you see me go, you can have the double portion, right? There are many, plenty of scriptures I can back myself up, but the point is, I haven't read in the Bible about a garage sale, but that's my little metaphor. And I said, here's the thing, there's all the treasures he's gathered in his life. I believe you can go and buy, plunder them. You can go get them. So boys, be quick because I'm already there. I've already been praying. I already said, God, I want that, and I want that, and I want that. I already asked for His wisdom. I got that many years ago. God, I want your faith. Your, your faith. I got that many years ago. I got, but there are things left that I want to get. And there's a garage sale, and you better not be the one who just gets the trinkets. We want to get the good things, the valuable things. And I told my boys, ask for it. Go for it. Right? I really believe in this stuff. You can lean in. You can take it from somebody. You can take it from him. Jesus says, power has gone out of me. Where did it go? It came from the woman with the issue of blood who reached in and says, if I can just touch, says, something's left me. I want to tell you on the day of Pentecost, God's still giving stuff out. And if you'll reach in and grab hold of it, you can be part of your life. <laughs> Woo! I'm telling you, I get excited when I preach this. You know why? Because I'm preaching myself into my future. 
And I'm helping you with your future. This is the future of our church. Doesn't matter what winds come, what contrary things happen, whatever happens, we're moving forward. And I thank God for people over 100 years, past pastors, past committees, past members, past congregations, past whatever, pastors, that all leaned in, made decisions so we could be at the top of our game at a 100 year mark ready to go to the next 100 years, leaving behind a legacy, leaving behind 50 campuses, 100 campuses, 150 campuses. And people go, wow, thank you so much. Look, my life was touched in Indonesia. My life was touched in Brazil. My life was touched in Europe. My life was touched in Africa because of futures, church, didn't say in one place. Oh. Here's the thing. God's so committed to multiplication that in chapter 11, when people said, I'm not going to multiply, he said, well, I'm going to make you multiply. But then God goes in the next chapter, and I can imagine God doing this. This is my own imagination, but I can see it. You know, the principles are there. Those people missed it. So guess what? I'm going to go find a man and a woman who want to multiply but can't. I used to think to myself, why would, they, why would he choose Abraham? Abraham had a child, but really it's a common miracle. It's a miracle, but it's a common miracle. Noah built an ark for 100 years. That's a bigger miracle and the earth flooded. Think about Moses, part of the Red Sea, turned the Nile to, to blood. All these miracles, frogs in the palace, all that stuff. Surely they're bigger miracles. Why Abraham? Well, quite simply, because God's a God of multiplication. When you understand this theology, you understand why God would choose someone who wants to multiply but can't after a bunch of people said, we're not gonna multiply, but you're going to. Now he chooses someone who wants to, but can't to show the rest of us for all of history through the father of faith, Abraham, that if you're a person that wants to multiply, God says, I'll hear your prayer. I'll come down, fix your multiplying machine and I will help you multiply. It doesn't matter whether you're 75, 85, 95 or 100, I'm gonna come. And then he makes them wait 25 years so that the miracle will be even bigger. And we'd have less doubts about it. But what does he do? He goes and gives him the son of the promise. Then after 18 years or so, he calls Abraham and says, I want you to bring, bring back Isaac to me. Give him to me. They go on a three days journey. Hebrews 11 says that, Moses, that uh, Abraham already thought in his head that God had raised him from the dead. What God was doing in my opinion was saying, listen, you've settled for one. I told you to be the father of millions. You've settled for one, so give him back. Sometimes God asks for things back, not because He's trying to take it from us, but trying to remind us that this is, there's more to it than this. This is not it. And so that's why on the Mount Moriah, He says, stop, because I now know that you trust me. Let me tell you who I am. I am Jehovah Jireh, your provider. No matter what situation you're in, I will provide for you. If you wanna multiply and you put me first, you understand, look, there's a ram in the thicket. And then God comes to him in Genesis 18, 19 and says to him, I wanna tell you again about the promise I made you. I wanna remind you, you're not gonna be the father of one child or two children. You're gonna be father of nations. I want you to understand that. The very thing you've sacrificed to me, I wanna use to expand and multiply your life. God's committed to it. In Genesis 11, He changes their languages. In Genesis 18, He demands this promise back. 
Because God wants you to multiply. It's how you're the happiest. It's how you're the best. You see, when I multiply my gifts, when I multiply my words to tell people on a bus, on a plane, on a train, in an Uber about Jesus, joy comes in my life. What's joy? The sustaining power of life. Joy and peace come into my life. Allows me to get up in the morning and go hard again. No matter under oppression, no matter being attacked, no matter what they say, it doesn't matter. When I'm filled with the joy of the Lord, it's my strength. Does that make sense? Oh, I'm getting excited now. Woo! You see, God searches out people who want to but who can't to show that He is Jehovah Jireh, that He is Jehovah Nissi, that He is El Shaddai, that He is who He says He is. I am that I am. He's everything I need if I'll reach out in faith. That's why Jesus talks so much about faith, why the kingdom of God is so dependent on faith because faith is the ingredient that comes into our heart and when we get faith, we wanna multiply. Why is it a new Christian gets saved and the first thing they wanna do is tell all their friends because when the seed of faith comes, multiplication follows. God doesn't plant seeds that don't flower and produce. So when he plants faith in you, it's so it produces. How do I know that I'm living by faith? Because I'm multiplying. If I'm not multiplying, then something's missing because it's my natural state of being as a follower of Jesus. Woo! I remember growing up and being so afraid of talking to people about Jesus. But because I've got a heart to multiply, because it's in my spirit, because it pushes me forward, because it's every day of my life, I ask God, how do I work this out? I can't do it. I can't do it. And God fixed my multiplier. God healed my multiplier like He healed Sarah's. And now telling people about Jesus wherever I am is so easy. It wasn't easy. I'd get up in front of the congregation 20 years ago, say, win people to Jesus, but I couldn't do it myself. Now I win people to Jesus all the time. Why? Because God fixed my multiplier because I wanted to be a multiplier. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. I'm gonna live according to God's pattern no matter what the world throws at me, no matter what life throws at me. I'm gonna live that way no matter what. And guess what? God says, even under oppression, I will multiply you greatly. Even when you feel barren, I'm gonna multiply. If you'll keep trying. Abraham had 300 disappointments. Every month they were trying to have a child and for 25 years, which 25 times 12 equals 300, 300 times they came up empty. And you may think it's easy to multiply when you're 25 and it might be fun. But here's the thing, when you're 95, it might be a lot more difficult. A lot more planning required. But they're so committed to multiplication, they push through the pain, the discomfort. Why couldn't you have done this 20 years ago, God? Because I wanted to make a big miracle for millions of people to see downtime. You can only see what you see in front of you, but you need to trust God about what's in front of you and go after it and say, God, I'll embrace it. I don't understand it. That's why I can preach to five people, plant a church, not have a building for years and years and years after having this and stand in front of him and go, this is awesome, this is what I want. Now God goes, okay, sacrifice it for a bigger multiplication. No, yes. All right, God, we're doing it. It's like the bungee jump. Yes, here we go. Sometimes you just gotta do that, right? Leave behind all the natural reasons. Well, I can't do it because of this and this and this and this and this and this and this. You'll find an excuse no matter what. So will I. We're like that. We want to settle. 
Fear makes us settle. Complacency makes us settle. Achievement can make us settle. But the day of Pentecost, we need to hear that on the day of Pentecost, there was multiplication. And God even, let me just say this to you, God, I I believe, allowed persecution to come into Jerusalem because they refused to multiply. This is a whole other message that's just come to me right now. But let me just say this. Other than the apostles, everybody else was driven out of Jerusalem. Why? The Great Commission had been going to all the world and preach my gospel to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the othermost parts of the earth. They chose to be comfortable. They had turned the world upside down. Sure, there was threats, there was stuff, but they stayed. So God allows the persecution to push them out to multiply. So I made a deal with God when I was younger. I'm not sure he's keeping his bargain, but I'm hoping he will. I said, God, I don't want to be persecuted. I don't want to go through persecution. I don't want my kids to go through persecution. So I'm going to be committed to multiplying. If I'm committed to the Great Commission, moving on, moving out, building, building, would you protect me from all that? I don't know if he will, but guess what? I'm trying my best. That's why you do it, right? Because it brings great joy. It brings the kingdom into people's lives. The only way this this sick earth can ever be healed is if people find Jesus. Multiplication, multiplication. I believe God wants to put a spirit of increase inside every one of you in this place. I believe there are people, see, the Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. As I'm speaking, I'm calling out out of you what's inside of you, the deep things of God inside of you. You thought you couldn't do it, but you can do it because God's called you to do it and you can do it. All you have to do is plug into the slipstream of God and get into His bloodstream. And I promise you, you'll be transported all kinds of places. Your things will flourish, things will grow. And you can say to God, I'm under this, I'm under that. This is going wrong. Guess what? Lean in and say, God, I want to multiply. I want to multiply. I want to multiply. I want to multiply because it's your command. I bring glory to God when I multiply. What my dad will have seen when he goes to heaven, my dad will be so, my dad won't be able to walk. Here's why. He has so many wreaths, so many trophies. It's like he's walking through heaven. Can you help me, Lorraine? And they're going to last forever. Your money will die with you. Everything will die with you. But those things that are human that you leave behind as a testament to your life will live forever. He went to heaven happy knowing I'm going to go to heaven and see him. He went to heaven happy knowing that Russell's going to go see him. He went to heaven happy knowing his grandchildren will go see him. He went to heaven happy. And he said all the saints that have been a part of this church over the years that he was involved in the church, to see them all again and celebrate with them. Where there's no crying, where there's no, there's no tears, where there's no issues. Just joy, the joy of the Lord. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your reward. That's what I want when I get to the end of my life. What a legacy to leave behind for me. But I've got to get up and do it as well. Because why it might seem easy being in that person's wake is a lot harder than you may think. But I tell you what, you make your own way. You go your own pace. You do as hard as you can and you say, God, I'll leave it all to you. And when you do, things change. I can't wait to see. But I, can't, I can wait because I'm not ready to go. I've got millions more to impact for Jesus. Oof. Millions more. I'm only 50% of my potential realised. If I could just keep on that healthy diet of donuts and iced coffee and swimming every day, didn't do any much swimming this week, but and way too much 
cannolis and that's Pastor Shana's fault. Putting cannolis in my fridge. I found them last night and I had three of them before bed. So I feel like the devil's trying to stop me multiplying. But my flesh is multiplying. I'm living larger today than I was yesterday. But by this weekend, I'm going home and I'm going to chuck out, you know, the old days you chuck out your cigarettes, I'm chucking out the cannolis today. But I believe God wants to put a spirit of multiplication on you. There already is on our church. You think getting to 12 campuses much, it's nothing. We want to get to 50 campuses in the next 10 years. Wouldn't that be incredible? Around the world, for the glory of Jesus, not the glory of man, for the glory of Jesus. In your workplace, God wants to prosper you, help you, help you break through even if you're oppressed. Wherever Joseph went, no matter whether he's in jail or whether he's in a pit, God was with him and he prospered wherever he went. God can't help it. He looks to those people that want to prosper, that want to, sorry, that want to multiply. And He says, I will help you have the journey of your life. Doesn't mean it'll be perfect. Doesn't mean it'll be easy. But you'll look at the end of life and go, wow, look at what the Lord has done. And I want to pray for you this morning, right now, as I know we're moving into the red zone. Here's the thing. I want to pray for people in this room that say, hey, I want to, but I don't know whether I can. You may be feeling oppressed at work. You may be feeling pushed down at home. You may be having all these challenges. But you say, God, I want to be like Abraham. I'm going to lean in. I'm going to be like Pastor Andrew. I'm going to lean in. I want to multiply. I want my life. I want the Spirit. You see, this is not for some people. It's for everyone. Everyone is allowed to lean into the multiplication because we are all wired that way. You are born as a product of multiplication. So the gift is to you. The whole idea is for you. The whole earth has been made that way. If you'd get the secret X factor of multiplication in your mind and your spirit, next week we'll tell you how. But right now I want to pray for you that the Spirit of God would come upon you. So I feel faith in this room. I feel it in your hearts. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met. I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you that even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son, Jesus, to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died and rose again so that His death could pay the penalty for my mistakes and my past. And His life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did and when you invite Him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. 
He's a father. He's a friend. And you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm going to say this prayer. And wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what? Maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace and the love of God comes into your life. You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace and the word of God go with you from this day forward. And I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey. Why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you. And we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.